ACP Church family, welcome to the No Borders podcast, where every week we will discuss the sermon and share some personal takeaways. Hey, Center Point Church, thank you so much for tuning into your podcast. We are currently in our series, Building for Tomorrow. It is an exciting time for our church, and I hope that you enjoy this podcast. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Today on the podcast, I have Darby and drummer Chris over Ooh, here. Hello. Um, and you guys didn't know this. I didn't tell you guys before, but today is our 50th episode. Yes. No way. Yeah, we've done 50 <gasps> podcasts of the Whoa. No Borders podcast here. So it's amazing. Yeah. We need some sort of like cake or celebration. <laughs> some little like sound effect, like da 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 da. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We don't have that budget yet. So, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So 50th podcast and just some statistics for you guys. There are nearly 2.5 million podcasts listed in Apple Podcasts. Around 450,000 of those are active. So Mm. a lot of people kind of just lost steam, just, you know, didn't end up doing more. Uh, 41% of Americans aged 12 and over have listened to a podcast in the past month. Oh, wow. And then 28% of Americans aged 12 and over have listened to a podcast in the past week. Wow. Interesting. And so, uh, a lot. A lot of yeah. people. A lot of people <laughs> listen to podcasts now. And you're one of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, we're, we're doing something. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can continue it going. And that, then I did look up, you know, how many podcasts actually make it to um, – uh, 50 or 100. So it wasn't a stat on 50, but if you get to 100, you're in the top 10% of podcasts. So oh, wow. We've got to hit, Dang. we got to go for 100. Um, That's right. So, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kicking off there, do you guys listen to other podcasts? Are there anything out there that other listeners should look at or listen to after I, they're done with ours? I do. You, you, go, you go first. I feel so bad. I honestly don't. Um, I'm just between being stuck at work and handling the kids. Anytime I've tried to, st- I found a few I wanted to start. And I get about two minutes in, and I just always have to pause it. And it takes me like a week to get through a twenty-minute episode. Oh, so really? I just, I just kind of gave up. For I a gotta while. drive to Orlando pretty much every oh. week, so that's nice. I listen to um, with the Perrys. It's like Jackie Hill Perry and her husband. They talk about a little like Christian topics, but they go a little deeper into like the theological aspects, which I love. Okay. So nice. I listen to them, but I also listen to a baseball podcast too. I don't oh, that yeah. relates baseball. here. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, a couple that I've listened to, uh, Truth Over Tribe is a good one. Um, that's a, a Christian one. I listen to uh, Founders, which is about people that have started businesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Modern Wisdom is a one that I, I really like as well. Uh, but the, yeah, there's like some science ones, some ones that I do for just general information too. But yeah, um, yeah so tons of podcasts out there. We're keeping it going. We hit 50 now, and so the goal is to continue. Go ahead. You just shared with me that we both now own bunnies. We should start a new <laughs> podcast called Fluffy Bunny Feet. Oh, boy. And just well, talk we, about rabbits. I'm sure I don't know if can... you'll make it to 50 episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems like a one-episode type of thing. Yeah. But, um, no, so any any advice? Yes, we just got two bunnies. It's um, my daughter, uh, Audrey. Uh, she wanted a bunny for her birthday, Aww. so she's— She's getting some bunnies, and uh, any advice for a new bunny owner? Um, yeah, I've actually got two. My kids both have one free roaming in their rooms with the doors closed 24-7, and we've actually potty trained them. And the key is don't let anything fall on the floor that you don't want potentially chewed on. <laughs> if cords fall off the table, they'll usually bite them in half, um, give them lots of attention. They're extremely social animals. Like, they really love the attention of either other rabbits or people if there's not other rabbits. And give them lots of hay all the time because they will chow down on that hay. 24-7, keep it filled. My there friends at college had a bunny in their mm-hmm. in their house, 
And uh, one of the friends came back and the chessboard got eaten and he got so mad oh, at yeah. the bunny. Oh, yeah, chessboard. Oh, Yeah, wow. so huh. keep your chessboards away from them, yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. Give them two toys on the floor and they, they usually can't jump too high, so as long as stuff's on desks, they're usually safe. <laughs> All right, well, I had a bunny growing up, uh, but uh, we kept it in a screen, back patio, porch, yep. and a uh, raccoon got in and uh, <gasps> killed it. So there's no. a, there's some trauma I'm still working through, but... Uh, now I share that trauma <laughs> with you. That was terrible. Why would you share that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Anyway. Don't, so. don't, don't. Today on the podcast. This makes me so sad. This is the 50th episode. We should be let's, happy. That's right. So let's let's change the tone here. Um, so we um, got a message last week from our guest speaker, Gary, and... Uh, Pastor Tom started the the sermon today with a quote from that sermon, uh, God's miracles happen at the intersection of faith and obedience. And he said, you know, this could be a bumper sticker uh, type of thing. But um, was there anything that that stood out to you uh, last week? Anything that uh, Pastor Gary said that um, stood out to you or that you uh, remember from last week? I just remember it being really good. I yeah. can't remember the specific points, but I remember just everything he said. I was like, that is great. I agree with that. I didn't even realize. But he used Moses as an illustration and his staff and, you know, Moses's doubts and stuff like that. But that he let when he let God take control of that, like that same thing that he used as an excuse of like why God couldn't use him, he used to help part the Red Sea. He used, you know, for later on. So I think that never discount even the bad stuff or the things that you think you're unqualified for because God will use them. Yeah. Bring in what you have, whatever you have and uh, giving it to God is, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good, um, you know, imagery there with the staff and all that. What I love about that line of God works in the intersection of faith and obedience is when you think about intersections on the road, they're not always perfectly perpendicular 90 degrees. There's all different types of intersection, but it is important that you have both of those elements there. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes in certain seasons of your life, one may be stronger than the other. You may be very good at obedience, but your faith is still growing or vice versa. You have a ton of faith, but you kind of struggle to be obedient to the word. As long as they're both there, they will eventually intersect. And that's where God works in some way or another. So. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And so, yeah, he, next thing he got into is God's providence there. And, um, you know, God has it under control. He's always kind of one step ahead. And, you know, with God's providence, have you guys ever, you know, looked back in your life? I can probably count, you know, a handful of times that I've, I've had this happen in my life, but in your life, has there been a time where you can you know, look back and say, you know, God, I didn't see it in the time. I didn't know what was going on or why God was putting me through this uh, trial or, you know, taking me to this location or whatever. Um, but I can look back at it now and kind of see why he did that. Um, does anything kind of ring a bell for that? Just talking about God's providence of, you know, in your lives. I would just say like the whole, like the biggest thing that I share with the youth is like my college experience and how I wanted to go to a certain state university. And then I was like, well, there's this other school that I've never heard of that I don't want to go there. I don't even know anybody there. And then I really felt like God was calling me because I remember talking to Pastor Devon and a whole bunch of other people and they were, they kind of knew where I should go and I kind of knew it. I just didn't want to really confess up to it. Hmm. Um, so just seeing there and all the people that I met that it was, even if I went to the other school, I think I would have not been able to have as a deeper relationships with people and other Christians, but I also don't think I would have made as much of an impact as I think I did at the university I went to. Um, because you, you know, you realize you have to, you're called to go out into the world and to, uh, not be like them, but, you know, be a light in the world. And so I think that the campus that I was called to was a really dark place spiritually. And so I think that it was something that, you know, 
God had me in there with the people that I met and the lives that, you know, and the relationships that I got to meet. So like even going from like a decision that's maybe not as big as the college decision, but even, you know, the types of friends that I made and um, who I interacted with, I think was God had his hand on from the beginning. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Sorry. I just thought of one. Um, one thing actually was having a conversation with a friend not that long ago. And we were talking about relationships like dating, marriage, things like that. And um, he was asking me about my situation. And it's funny because that thought kind of came up of um, I was married for about seven and a half years and then back in 2015 got divorced. And since that time, that was about eight and a half years ago, I've been essentially single this entire time since then. And my friend was saying, like, doesn't that get frustrating? She's been single for so long. Aren't you ready to date? I said, well, of course, when God opens that door, I look forward to it eventually happening. But looking back in hindsight, in all this time, I was able to take my two kids who were so young when it happened, and now they're 12 and 14. And I've been, I've had the chance to be there for them so much, more so when I was single than I perhaps would have been if I was in a relationship. And so that is through something that I was always focused on myself throughout that whole trial of this is so tough, this is so hard, oh man, I looked back and was able to say, I've God took something like that and allowed me to actually grow a really, really strong relationship with both of my kids. Where um, I'm in by no means a perfect parent or even close to it, but I've had a lot of time to invest in them. I've been able to spend so much time with them and uh, teaching them uh, what I believe and getting them plugged into the church and things like that. So throughout that whole journey, it, it I was just focused on how it impacted me. But looking now, talking to my friend, looking back in hindsight, he said, you know, you have a really good relationship with your kids. And perhaps if things were different, that may not have been the case. I'm like, that is something that God took out of the bad. And actually he had providence. He knew what was going to happen. He said, mm-hmm. don't worry. You know, it's, you're going to have, there, there, there will be some good things to come out of this. Like I will take something bad and turn it into something good. Yeah. Um, it's just been amazing to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important. I feel like that's important to look back on highlight because we can, you know, see a lot of that stuff, you know, looking back over the course of our lives and, I found a quote in uh, from John Piper that kind of talks about this. So divine providence is never frustrated by Satan in its plan for the world, mm. for the everlasting good of God's people in, in the all satisfying praise of the glory of his grace. God is sovereign over suffering, which means it is not meaningless. It's not wrath. It's not ultimately destructive. It's in, it's, it is not, um, you know, heedless. It is purposeful. It is measured as wise and loving. And so looking at, at that, you know, going through suffering, going through times of trial and knowing that God is seeing you through it, you know, he's not surprised by it. He's not, um, you know, he's not putting you, you through something just aimlessly. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's important. It, it gives me comfort and kind of knowing that and um, to, to lean on that a little bit. And so, you know, as we're kind of going through, you know, this is the first week of the kickoff of, you know, building for tomorrow and, you know, when we, when we look at things that are, are worthwhile, you know, nothing that's worthwhile comes, you know, necessarily easy, you know, it, it takes sacrifice. And so when we look at this for the church, this, this building program and everything, this, you know, very, um, just this vision for the church is, is something that is exciting to me because it, it, it looks like, you know, we got to finally see a picture. And so we, you know, that, that was, that was encouraging to finally see, you know, visualize what it's going to be, but it's going to take sacrifice from, you know, every individual that considers center point their home here. And so, you know, looking at that and getting to see the, the picture there, did anything stand out to you guys? I guess, um, there's been a couple dinner meetings over the last couple nights. I'm not sure if, 
if you guys have made it to, to those, but um, did anything stand out to you kind of going through those meetings or, you know, hearing some of the questions that people have, or is there anything that stood out to you kind of looking at this, this project building for tomorrow? I would just say the thing that was so encouraging that was just to me really evident and really obvious was that um, this isn't something that we planned and hoped that God would be on board with, um, which can happen a lot, unfortunately. It's really easy to fall into that trap in, in today's culture. Um, this is something that we've just seen happening time and time again, and we talked about God's providence. He goes beyond time. He sees things before they happen. He's He's in control of all of that, and um, he's put this on the hearts of the leaders for so long, even before we started seeing the massive growth of people um, and just the need for more space uh, to serve people as we do. And so it's so cool to see kind of that timeline from a really high-level point of view of this is the right time to go ahead and do this. And ironically, just in the last, especially couple months, we see it in the sanctuary. We see we're just, we're running out of room. Um, there's so many people that we're being blessed with to graft into our family and to make connections with. And uh, to see now that God is opening this door um, physically with the building, financially, um, spiritually with the leadership we've been able to grow. And now we we get to see the physical outcome of like, we, we get a chance to actually get into a new building. Um, it's just been fantastic to see God's providence work like that. Yeah. Yeah. And getting to see, you know, what, what we've already had the people before, you know, long before I came to the church, you know, establishing where the, the land is here, yes. you know, having the 23 acres yeah. Of, yeah. of land and, you know, with the, the building complex next door, you know, that could have been, you know, just a business that went, went next door, but instead it's, you know, going to be thousands of people that are right next door to us and uh, what an opportunity that is for us and everything. And something really cool that um, he did bring up at, I believe, one of the, I was at the Friday dinner meeting, and I believe this came up then, is somebody brought up a good question of, why don't we just sell the land to help with the finances? But it's really interesting, again, to your point, how God had allowed us to have this land and the other land that we could have potentially sold, it's kind of landlocked. So it's not that desirable to people outside of our church because mm -hmm. it'd be tough to get into but because God knew that this land was for us to build on later. And so mm -hmm. I found that a really interesting kind of fact yeah. that yeah. how that all worked out. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm just excited to see how he's going to provide and bless the sacrifices that people are going yes. to make because I know that it's not easy. I remember when Centerpoint, I don't know if it was Centerpoint at the time. I think it was. Uh, way back when they were doing some other sort of um, giving campaign. It wasn't for building. It was, I think, maybe for donating to someone else. Um, and I remember PT talking about sacrifice. And I was like 13 at the time. <laughs> and so he was like, you know, make sure you give you know, however much amount of money you feel like. And I was like, well, I'm ready to give this amount of money, but I feel like I was called to give more. So I did. And I was oh, wow. scary because it was like, I was 13 and I didn't yeah. have that much money. Uh -huh. So I did. But then like looking back, seeing how he blessed me, even if it wasn't financially, like even everything that he'd already provided at the time, it was, it was crazy. And like going back to the point that he made today, that it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't even matter the monetary value. It's just about where your heart's at. And, you know, the posture of that, like, are you sacrificing it enough or are you just giving enough because it makes you feel better? You know, mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, even God takes the littlest that, you know, may not be the same amount as someone else. But like Pastor Tom said about the widow's might, the story in the Bible, like she gave two coins, but that was all she had. And that was worth more than the amount that the religious leaders were giving at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, that's just exciting to see like how he's going to use that, because I think that he really is going to bless the giving and the sacrifice that his people are going to give through this campaign. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So 
Yeah, looking at that, and one, a question that came up um, last night was, you know, is this a complete pivot from where the the church was going? Because we did have the church plan of heritage there for a while, and you know, I was I was going, I was part of that, um, you know, trying to get that that new campus to start up, and so we, you know, COVID kind of disrupted that and everything, and so uh, you know, that was the question that was posed uh, yesterday, and I thought Pastor Tom did a great job of answering, you know, that. That is not, it's it's not a, a shift, it's not a change in, in focus, but it's an extension of that. And so to be able to do that, we need to develop more of a hub here at Centerpoint, you know, have more people be able to to come here, come call Centerpoint their home so that we can extend into different, you know, church plants. So it's a stepping stone to be able to to do that. It's not, you know, a complete shift of focus, which I thought, you know, was good to, to clarify and uh, highlight there. Um, but you know, Pastor Tom went into a couple different uh, scriptures uh, here in the sermon, and one was from uh, Philippians four eleven through thirteen. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content wh- wherever, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, you know, the highlight there is, you know, being content. And, you know, we can see in the world that there's billionaires that are, you know, not happy with what they have. And, you know, so it's, you know, that's the illusion of once I get to this level or this amount of money or this job, I'm going to be content with whatever I have. That's the illusion that the world gives us. And, um, you know, looking at, you know, that ability to be content with whatever God gives you, um, did anything stand out to you guys there about how to look at contentment, uh, biblically, uh, yeah, the first line I thought of when he said that was, like you just said, if you have more, I mean, more money, more problems, you know, <laughs> it, does, it, it, uh-huh. it can happen. Um, more doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, but he, he did make a few points I wrote down. Um, he said that whenever it comes to giving, um, when, you're, when you're blessed with something, you are to be a steward of it. You're to be a manager of it. That's something that we hear a lot, but I don't think we always focus on is truly understanding that when you give your life to the Lord, anything that he gives you, it's not yours. You just have the opportunity to manage it when it comes to finances, things like that. If you're truly giving everything that you have to the Lord, that includes all the money you make at your job when you sell things online. And then he's entrusting you to be a good steward, to use some of it to uh, provide for yourself and your family, to give a certain back, certain percentage back to your church, to have the ability to give. And he made the point that when you do give, you're the one who's actually going to benefit from it. It's actually going to bless you probably more than the person you're giving to uh, because you're actually fulfilling that thing from God of being able to give. And also something that is really tough, it's easy to hear, but tough to put into your life is um, he made a point about you should strive to get to a point where you're not chasing more because God really is enough for you. Um, when you get to that point in your heart, like you said, about jobs and money and positions of power and things like that, that's kind of a human nature, unfortunately, that, that which is in a lot of us. We It slips out from time to time. We have that urge to think, if I have more, I'll be better off and my family will be better off. Um, but when you get to the point that you say, whatever God chooses to give me, I'm going to be trustworthy with it and use wisdom and use it however he provides. When you get to that point, it makes all the things that he's talked about the last week, about giving, about sacrificing, it makes it 
uh, it just makes more sense to you because you're realizing if I sacrifice what I have, like the widow with the mite, um, you know, this is what I have. God, if you say give everything, it's because you're going to provide right after whatever I actually need. You're going to find a way to provide it. And it probably won't make sense to me. It'll blow my mind out of the water <laughs> of how you did it because that's just the way God often works. Um, but when you uh, wrapping up, when you get to that point of just getting in the heart and mindset of realizing you don't need to chase more because God, and it's not just a catchphrase, God actually is enough for you. Yeah. And that's something that takes a while to get to. It took me it took me most of my life to get to. I can't say I, I got there 20 years ago. I wish I could say that. Yeah. Um, but that's just something more recently in my life that really, truly made sense in my heart. Yeah. I think it's something that you have to continue to remind yourself, though, of, too, yes. is that God is more than enough. Because if you're not actively pursuing Him or having that relationship with Him, you get distracted. Like, I've yes. caught myself multiple times just being like, well, this job pays more. Maybe I should work there. But then being called to a different position where they didn't pay as much, but I felt like I was supposed to be there. Yes. Um, and then also kind of what you just said, I think, you know, some of the most content people in the world, some of the most fulfilled people in the world are people that don't have as much materialistic things or people that don't have as much money. And that's not to say that if God's blessed you with the amount of money or things you have that, you know, you shouldn't be happy, but also that, you know, they find their contentment in him. And it's really more about how you see it. Like if you're in a situation, maybe you're struggling financially and you're like, well, I, I'm just, you know, God needs to provide in this. But if you take it from the posture that God's already blessed me, like I have clothes on my back, I have food on my table. It might not be as much that I would hope for, but God's still provided. There's never a day um, where he hasn't been there, where he hasn't still been God and still been holy. Then it kind of shifts your perspective that, okay, well, I'm still alive, so he's not done with me. He's got a plan, but also that he will provide because he is God and he cares for me. And there's a verse that says, you know, if he like watches over the birds and provides for them and they don't worry, then how much more do we have to worry about it? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something even important that even if we're struggling, maybe with the things um, like financially or just with the things that we have, maybe we, you know, are running out of stuff and we're working paycheck to paycheck and we're struggling that like, that doesn't mean that God is any less holy. That doesn't mean that God is any less of a God because he is God. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about glorifying him and that he will provide for us. And just tying to that, he also brought up a verse, um, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. And sorry, this isn't NIV. This is New King James Version because <laughs> the words are right. fancy. Um, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this last line is what really stuck for me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You can choose to put that treasure in heaven. You can choose to put it in the bank. You can choose to put it buried underground if you want. But wherever, whatever you consider treasure, that is where your heart is going to go after. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like um, a piece of contentment is being okay with the unknowns. You know, if if you have everything that's laid out, if you have everything to a T, you know, this is going to lead to this, and I have this, I have this, and, you know, this is accounted for, and I can literally have the full blueprint that's not being content. That's just, you know, being in control of it. And yeah. so a piece of contentment is is being okay. When, you know, Jesus says, follow me, it's not like, okay, well, where are we going? Like kind of thing. Well, you know, if if he gives you all the answers, you know, that isn't truly being content in him. And that's trying to take more of that, you know, personal, you know, hold on on what you what God has planned for you. And you know, if, if you are, if you, if you are boxing that in to what you can kind of wrap your mind around that, 
you're missing out. You're going to be missing out on what God has because it's going to be so much greater than that. And it's, it's looking at it through that lens of, you know, this is a extension of the church. This is something that is, you know, Simon Sinek is a business guy that talks about finite versus infinite games. And, um, you know, when we're looking at the lens of, you know, a church or whatever project that we have through these, this finite lens, you know, a finite game would be more of like a football or basketball. You have clear, clear rules, you know, it's, it's win or lose. You can kind of wrap your head around it a lot more, but like looking at this project or like this, the church as more of an infinite game, it's going to extend generations past, you know, what we have here, what we're going to be able to to see. Um, and we're just going to be, you know, a piece of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, the church doesn't win or lose. You know, we, we have the, the cheat sheet at the end of the Bible. We know God wins at the end. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's looking at it w- through that lens of, you know, this is an infinite, you know, generational, eternal plan that God has established for us. Um, and so, yeah, did anything else stand out to you? Um, I don't know if that, that really made sense. I kind of just went off, but, um, <laughs> anyway, so did anything else stand out to you, uh, with the sermon today, uh, as pastor Tom went through kind of, you know, what, what we're, what we're planning for, you know, he called for the, the pledge, uh, you know, over the next three years, uh, for the people here at center point, anything else stand out to you guys, uh, during the sermon here? Just those points that we made, but also like when you say like three-year pledge, like even me, I'm like, well, where am I going to be in three years? Like, yeah. I'm like, am I going to be able to make, you know, that fulfill that three-year pledge? But then also, you know, part of it is sacrifice, which is like giving up stuff that's important to us. And so maybe it's financially, maybe it's even your time, maybe it's starting yep. to volunteer more. So sacrifice can look different um, to people in different ways, depending on what God's calling you to. I think we just have to be obedient and willing to, and it, it is scary. It's not something that you know, looking back when we've made sacrifices before, it's like, okay, well, God provided then. I'm sure he'll do it again. But when you're in the middle of it, it can seem like God's not there because, you know, it's just scary and we're out of control. So mm-hmm. like, I'm a planner. I love to be in control. So mm-hmm. when, you know, things like this happen and my grandpa always says to take, you know, life day by day and then trust God with it, that kind of gives me peace about it. Cause I know that, you know, his plans are better than mine, but yeah, it can be scary, but it's worth it. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, two quick things, uh, well, hopefully quick. Um, one of them is um, I like how he made the point of um, when it comes to sacrificing and stretching and why it's so important to ask God for whatever number that that may apply to your life. He didn't just say, stretch, do more than you think you should, because that could sound like a selling point of like, we just want you to give more. Yeah. But he also made the point of it may be more, it may be less. And, and t- we talked about God's providence. It made, to your point of three years, God knows maybe you'll be financially in the same place. Maybe you'll be blessed with a promotion. Maybe you'll have a season where you may lose a job. That's why it's so important not just to rely on your own logic and your own budget to say, here's what I think I can give. It's God knows what's going to happen over the next three years. So consistently pray um, if you're single by yourself or with a close friend, if you're married with your spouse, if your kids are old enough, pray with your kids and find that number of saying, God, whatever you lay on our hearts, we're going to trust you and trust that you will find a way to provide for that. Um, The other half of that, a real quick story, um, is something that stuck out today is he mentioned about sacrificing and stretching. And it made me think um, this year, physically, I haven't been able to do any kind of working out because I had literally three or four surgeries mm-hmm. on my arms and legs and things. But I, I did have a, a personal coach about a year ago, and it was a fantastic experience. And what was interesting to me is every time I started doing a certain weight, I would pick a weight and you know the coach would tell me, go ahead and do this many things. And I'd say, I think I can do like 10. And then I would stop like, okay, I think I'm tired. And the coach would say, no, no, no 
keep going. And I'm like, but, but I don't think I can. They're like, you're still holding it, right? <laughs> like, keep going. And I would do like one or two more. Okay, a little harder. I'm shaking now. This is getting really hard. And I'd stop again. They're like, you're not dropping them out of your hands. Try again. And the point they were trying to make um, is when it comes to our limits and what we can do, um, we often put a cap on it thinking, here's where I think I can stop. And that's what I love about when you pray to God and say, God, how do you want to stretch me? When you have that open mind and open heart to trust God to take you to a certain point, he usually knows you can go a lot farther than you think you can. Yeah. Um, it'll blow you away sometimes, in some cases, how far he can stretch you. Um, and by sacrificing, I promise you in some way, shape, or form, it will grow your faith and grow you closer to him because yeah. you're going to have to rely on him because you're yeah. going to say, sometimes you'll say logically, I, this doesn't make sense how this is going to work, but I'll trust you. And like we've talked about this whole podcast, when you look back in hindsight at God's providence of how he provided, it will simply grow you closer to the Lord that you serve and it will grow your faith, and you'll get to bless other people in the process through this new building. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of re reminds me, too, there. Um, just made me think of, you know, when when we, uh, the first person to break, like, the four-minute mile, everybody thought it was impossible before yeah. that, but as soon as that first person did it, then there was, like, 10 people in the next year <laughs> that, that did it. And yeah. so it was, like, leaning on those people that are, you know, you know spiritually, you know, making the sacrifice and, you know, looking out because you're going to see people at the church that are going above and beyond. And that's, that's how, you know, we can lean on one another to yeah. make those sacrifices. You know, we're going to see what we think might be impossible. We're going to see somebody else do it. And then we're gonna be like, Oh, that's, that, that's <laughs> not impossible. We can extend more and more and more. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, just, uh, I did one of the people that I followed just bro broke the world record for pull-up record. So another really? thing, another thing, most pull-ups in 24 hours. And oh, okay. so, um, yeah, he, it was like 8,000 and what? something for 24, 24 hours? 24 hours. And he just broke it today. And wow. so, yeah. And so, you know, what, one. what, what, yeah. pe what people think is impossible, you know, don't ever give up on that. Don't ever, you know, think, don't put those lines on God because God is going to extend past that. He's going to continue to stretch us, continue to uh, show us what his plan is because it's better than what we could ever imagine. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we'll see you guys next week. We'll keep it going with the six-week series here, uh, Building Fort Tomorrow. And love you guys. Have a good week. <laughs>